The RSVP Trust, changing lives around the world. Hi, my name is Don Egan. Welcome to today's podcast, which is looking at faith for miracles. How do we get the breakthrough? How do we get from where we are to where we need to be by faith and prayer and the word of God? I'm glad to say my friend Brian came to church yesterday and uh, I got him to share a bit about a great healing miracle that he has had in his body. Um, Do stick with us after the message. I want to uh, share with you about a special offer we've got on the program today. Uh, We're offering a free book and this is free and postpaid anywhere in the world. So I'll tell you a bit more about that uh, at the end of the message. But now let's go and hear the word of God. Um, I just sat with Johnny on the step here before the service and uh, he said, do you know a man called Brian? And I said, oh, like an idiot. I said, oh, no, I don't. And he began to say a bit more about Brian. And then I said, oh, I know Brian, yeah. And then Brian, who doesn't come to this church, has walked in this morning. And uh, the reason that that's significant is uh, um, Brian is Jane's dad. Jane normally sits down here with two young girls and several hot water bottles. And... Uh, <laughs> She asked me if I could pray with her dad some, uh, well, it must be a couple of months ago now. So I've just asked Brian if he could share a little bit about why he needed prayer and, uh, and what's happened since the prayer. We've only got a couple of minutes, so uh, how, how you compress what's happened down into <laughs> Have a go. Thank you. Hello. Um, as you just heard, my eldest daughter attends this church from time to time. And uh, a year ago, just about this time, I got invited onto a research program called Protec, which is for prostate cancer. And they're doing tests on about 250,000 men and hoping to find out which treatment is the best. And uh, I volunteered, went along, had a blood test, and they do a test called a PSA test on your blood, which is prostate-specific antigen count. And uh, if it's below five, I think the limit was, uh, that was the end. If it was above five, you went on to have other treatment. Mine was 8.7, so I was asked if I would go and have a a, uh, biopsy, and uh, I did, uh, amongst other things, which wasn't pleasant, but it wasn't hard. And then that was in the uh, April, and the results came through uh, early uh, late June, and I went along to see them to get the results July, and was told that it was positive. Out of 10 sites, two were positive for cancer. Um, so they wanted me to carry on with the treatment in, uh, that went along with the research program. But at that time, with a pr- count of 8.7, I felt that that wasn't the best treatment. Um, my daughter, eldest daughter, and my youngest daughter both provided me book, with books, one by Don from Jane, which I had read. And although I've been a Christian for years and, and realized and seen healing, um, I hadn't got a, what I would call a, a, the right angle on healing. Um, reading several books, including Don's and one by Trevor Deering and several others, I concluded that um, what I'd been taught, which was that um, the Lord's sacrifice on the cross was for our salvation, which it is, no, all agreement across all the books on that, but all, that, <coughs> they never mentioned anything else, that the, the cross or his suffering, um, 
uh, brought us. And uh, I never questioned it. And then when I thought about it, I started to question why a loving Heavenly Father who had his own son die upon a cross for us so that we'd have a, a relationship with him would only want that and wouldn't want his children to be healthy because I want my children to be healthy and I'm not a perfect father and he's perfect. So it, it didn't make sense what I'd been taught and uh, with reading these books I discovered the, the verses in, in, in the scriptures like Isaiah 53.5 which says by his stripes we are healed. I'd always been taught that that meant a spiritual healing uh, and in a sense it does because it's part of the full atonement and it does mean spiritual healing but it didn't just mean that because if you go to Matthew I think it's 8.12 or 12.8 uh, 12.16-17 anyway it's in Matthew <coughs> and it's where, where they've gone back to Peter's um, mother-in-law's and it says in the evening they brought the demon possessed and this is command the demons fled and he healed all the sick of their diseases. This was in fulfilment of Isaiah's prophecy. Yeah, and he goes on to actually quote it. But <clears throat> that means it wasn't, it was physical. And so I then realised that it wasn't something that we had to ask and the Lord in his wisdom either offered or didn't. It was something that he'd already paid for. And all we had to do was like the salvation, believe it and accept it and realise that we're living behind enemy lines and therefore a lot of what we see and what of what we're told is actually deception and consequently we can actually claim that uh, prize that he's already paid for uh, and he don't want to have paid for it, let's not claim it um, and therefore I, that's what I wanted. At my own church, I was out on a limb apart from one or two others and consequently um, Jane had given me the book and, she, and said that Don came here. So I said, well, can you see if I, we, when he's preaching and we'll come along and just ask him to pray with us or something. Anyway, what it ended up is Don came to Jane's house with, so did my youngest daughter, Lindsay, and myself. And we had communion and we prayed. And from then on, things just got better. Last October, my PSA was 18.5. Uh, I went for a test three or four weeks ago, it was point one. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Thanks, Brian. That's that's great, isn't it? I mean, I don't understand the PSI test, but I know if it's 18, for it to go down to point five is... Um, that's interesting, isn't it? God's doing something. Um, it's interesting. Today, I'm looking at uh, the faith of Abraham, you know, because... Uh, when people like Jane phone me up and tell me about Brian and say, can you come and pray? You know, I think crumbs, you know, we need faith. We need faith. I mean, the doctors are doing all they can, but if we're going to get a miracle, we need faith. And uh, so you look at the great people of faith in the Bible, and Abraham, of course, was known as the father of faith. And uh, in Romans, in, uh, Romans chapter 4, which is connected to uh, uh, the reading in Genesis today, Paul writes about Abraham that not being weak in faith, he didn't consider his own body already dead since he was a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was also able to perform. 
So it says that Abraham didn't waver. And it's difficult for me to relate to someone who never wavers in faith because I'm, some weeks I'm all over the place. <laughs> some, you know, on a, on a bad Wednesday I could be saying, God, are you there? <laughs> are you still there? And uh, we, ha- we can do things to stir up our faith. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing. So we can build up our faith by hearing uh, the word of God. Uh, but Ab- it says that Abraham didn't waver. And if that's the case, it's difficult for us to relate to Abraham. But actually, when Paul's talking there in Romans 4, that Abraham never wavered in his faith, he's actually only talking about one period in Abraham's life. He says when he was a hundred years old. So it's, it's when he was a hundred years old, that's when he didn't waver in faith. But if you look back at that story in Genesis 17 that was read to us, he was all over the place, which gives me hope <laughs> that if you're wavering a bit in your faith and it's difficult for you to get hold of what God is promising, um, that if you pursue faith and pursue God, you can come to that point that Abraham came to where you don't waver in your faith. And uh, you remember the story of Abraham that him and uh, Sarah were childless and uh, uh, womb was barren. And uh, God gave this declaration about the covenant that Brian was just talking about that was fulfilled in Jesus, that there's a new covenant between God and man coming. And uh, it came to Israel first through Abraham. And the sign of the covenant would that a nation would come from Abraham and Sarah. And they laughed. And they laughed a few times when God mentioned it. And it wasn't a laugh of, uh, you know, when, when you're expecting a baby and you've been trying for some time and, and no baby's coming and then you discover you're pregnant and you laugh with joy. It wasn't that laugh. It was, it was a laugh of, have you seen Sarah recently? <laughs> have you seen me recently? I'm a hundred years old, God, or, you know, I'm, I'm in my eighties, God, actually, when God began all this. So it's a laugh of doubt, of wavering, of lack of faith. And um, they couldn't believe, but God said that this would be the sign. And it was very important to God that this birth of this child that would be the sign of the covenant would be supernatural. Because God was foreshadowing the, the coming of Christ, which had to be a supernatural birth to a virgin. And so he establishes the covenant with Abraham. Now, Abraham and Sarah did what you and I often do when God gives us a word about something good that's going to happen. Uh, time goes by and we think, oh, he's not, you know, he's forgot. <laughs> or uh, he's changed his mind or, you know. And so Sarah comes up with this bright idea and looks at the young servant girl, Hagar, and says to Abraham, well, you, you know, you could sleep with her and then we'll have like a surrogate mother and you can have a baby. And we'll, God obviously can't quite do it, so we'll just help him a bit with this little arrangement. And of course, Abraham is wavering in his faith because he doesn't object. He, he actually says, well, what, what a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he gets it together with Hagar and they you know, Ishmael comes along and they think, oh, that's great, we've helped God bring the covenant into the world. And of course, um, God says that Ishmael isn't the child of promise. And 14, 13, 14 years goes by and God doesn't speak. 
You won't see any word or visitation from God between the birth of Ishmael and the birth of Isaac. And uh, when Ishmael's about 13 years old, God appears to him. Uh, and that's where we get to this reading in Genesis 7. And he greets, uh, he, uh, greets Abraham and uh, he says, I'm the Lord Almighty. Um, and this is when Abraham's 99 years old. Uh, walk before me and be blameless. And he reiterates again that the promised uh, child will come from Sarah. He's very specific that it won't be from someone else. Don't look around for someone else to father a child with. It will be through Sarah because it's going to be supernatural. And uh, Abraham laughs again and says, you know, shall a man who's a hundred have a baby? <laughs> you know, God, you know, where are you? You know, what, what planet are you on? Because it's not naturally possible. And, um, uh, uh, and he can't believe it. And he actually says, oh, that Ishmael would walk before you. In other words, he's saying, oh, that Ishmael, this little thing that we've created, would be the child of blessing. Now, it's interesting. God says that Ishmael himself will be blessed but he's not the blessing that's coming to Abraham. But even at that time when God has said again that Isaac is uh, going to be the child of promise, Abraham is still wavering in his faith and says, oh, that, that Ishmael could be the one. And he, he's, he's struggling. Um, but at that time, from that day, Abraham changes and he stops wavering in his faith. And the clue is in the greeting in Genesis 17:1, up until this time, Abraham would only know God as Elohim in Hebrew. In other words, the creator, the one who created the order and the natural law. And by natural law, men and women who are, have got the telegram from the queen don't, don't become parents, naturally. That's the natural law. It doesn't, it doesn't happen. And so that was Abraham's thinking that he was dealing with Elohim. That's his, the limited revelation of God he had. But on this day, God appears and says, I am almighty God, or El Shaddai in Hebrew. In other words, the God who's above the natural law, the all-powerful God, the mighty God. So he is Elohim, the one who created the natural law. But there are moments in the Bible when he overrules natural law. And that's when he operates as El Shaddai. And so God is saying that now you're going to get another revelation. There is a natural law. There is a creation that I'm involved in. And that has to be so. But there's also a God of power, of supernatural power. El Shaddai, the almighty God, who can overrule anything in creation. Because it's his creation. And El Shaddai is going to come and accelerate the natural law and overrule the natural law. And the miracles we see in the Gospels of Jesus that Brian referred to, and it's Matthew 8, 17, I've just remembered. <laughs> Where's the verse you were talking about? I didn't remember while you were speaking, I just remembered. Where uh, all the people bring the sick to Peter's mother-in-law and as the sun goes down, Jesus heals them all. Jesus is acting in that anointing of his father, of El Shaddai, one who overrules the sickness, who overrules the demons, who overrules the creation. And it's interesting that the very first miracle that Jesus did 
at the wedding of Cana, which sometimes makes us scratch our head because you think, you know, wouldn't it be good to have started with the raising of Lazarus? <laughs> that, that would be a good place to start from, wouldn't it? But he's at a wedding and they run out of wine. And not only is this the first miracle, but, you know, the gospel writers make a point of, of making us aware of what the first miracle was. And they run out of wine. And they, you know, they do this thing of, uh, like most people do, that you give out the good wine first and then the smart price plunk when everyone's had enough. That's the, I'm paraphrasing the New Testament. <laughs> That's what the leader of the, uh, of the wedding said. And uh, so Jesus gets them to pour some water into the, uh, into the jars and then take it to the master of the ceremony. And he discovers good wine, you know, high quality wine. And I've done a bit of research and apparently if you plant a grape seed today, it will take uh, three to four years before you can make wine. But it will take five, six, seven years before you can get high quality wine, the good, the best wine from that vine. So Jesus did in about 60 seconds what normally takes seven years. And he was, he was revealing to the world El Shaddai, someone who could overrule the natural law and overcome not only sin and sickness and death, but that his kingdom could overthrow the kingdom of darkness. So I don't know about you today, but I could do with El Shaddai showing up <laughs> in some of the stuff I've got going on in my life. And uh, I think we need to not be intimidated by the phrase that Abraham never wavered, because actually he did. But when he discovered El Shaddai, the Almighty God, that's when he realised he didn't need to waver because anything is possible with God. So I want us to pray. I know that, uh, I don't know if it's you, but someone emailed me a little while back asking me uh, where I was speaking next and would there be opportunity for prayer for healing. So we're just going to have very briefly, because we're going into communion, an opportunity for prayer. So if you need uh, a breakthrough of any kind or a healing, we're just going to pray in a minute. But before that, let me just uh, uh, pray uh, for us all. Father in heaven, we thank you for uh, your word and we thank you that Abraham was, uh, was very real and in many respects just like us and believed one day and doubted the next and wavered. But when you revealed yourself as the almighty God, then he received his Isaac. Father, I pray for us that we wouldn't settle for an Ishmael, but that we would receive what you've promised for us, that we would walk close to you and that the kingdom would be manifest in our lives, that we would receive our Isaac. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, thanks for listening today. Um, I just want to tell you about the book offer I mentioned at the beginning of the program. So we're offering any book from our website free of charge anywhere in the world. Uh, we really appreciate your comments on the podcast. It helps us to know where the podcast is reaching and who's listening. So we're offering today a free one free book from the website. So if you'd like a free book and it's free and postpaid anywhere in the world, uh, just go to our website www.rsvptrust.co.uk, 
click on the shop page and you'll see the list of uh, books available there. So then just drop us a line with your comments about the podcast uh, to don at rsvptrust.co.uk and uh, let us know which book you want and of course your postal address and we'll get that to you straight away. Thanks for listening today. Bye. The RSVP Trust. Changing lives around the world.